Hey everybody out there in podcast land, welcome back to the latest edition of Sports Frenzy 2.0. I am the maestro, Kevin Crane. I'm the conquistador, Dave Height. And through all the trials and tribulations we've gone through in the last couple weeks, we are here to regale you with what could be the most interesting week of the sports year. Well but, and truly bizarre on a number of fronts. Between college football, coaching changes, baseball impending lockout with all the crazy money everybody's panicking and spending bizarro land has reared its ugly head but of course as always we will start off with the nfl the tried the true the stable the who the <laughs> hell's gonna beat who in which week yeah, i was gonna say i don't know about <laughs> tried and true and stable because the nfl has been a cluster fuck so far this year. Yes, yes, it has. Everybody's hovering around 500. So many teams, five and seven, seven and five, five and six, six and five. Nobody really wants to jump out and take the reins of anything outside of maybe the Packers. I would say the Bucks. That was an impressive win for the Bucks over it the Colts. And I will say that I picked the Colts. Because I thought we'd head into more mediocrity, more chaos. But the Bucks proved me wrong. So now they have, to me, established themselves as one of the top five or six teams. The Rams fall back again. Yeah, there, there's something wrong with Stafford. Well, I don't think they, they, they did the whole, let's just cram all these all-stars into this roster. Odell Beckham never should have signed him. No. Never should have brought him in. No. Von Miller shot. He's past his prime. Yeah, they, they're trying to go for it, and it's not they, working. Yeah, and they mortgage their future on this. I mean, they literally have no picks in no. the first or second round for the next two years. Yeah, they're they're hosed. They're, they're worse off than what the Bears did when it comes to the draft picks. But the Bears won 16-14 on Thanksgiving. I told you that the Lions would find a way to lose it. I don't understand the Lions. I really don't. I mean, this is beyond what I imagined for them in terms of being pathetic. Two, two drives where they had the Bears reeling. They wound up with a false start and then back to back to back holdings. Yep. Then uh, you had Dan Campbell calling back-to-back timeouts, which is illegal. Illegal, and that hosed them. And, uh, I mean, the, the Lions do have no receivers outside of Hawkinson at tight end. No, And then don't. DeAndre Swift is another fragile, we'll get to that, another fragile running back who can't take a hit. Now, so that, now he's out you know, multiple weeks. I was wondering, did he land on the ball on the sidelines that, you know, bruised or broke a rib or something? But when you see him land, it looked like nothing because the ball was out in front of him. He didn't land on it. I guess he landed wrong on his shoulder. No, he's another guy like we'll get to Christian McCaffrey, who's just <laughs> the poster a China child doll. for China. DeAndre Swift has never been able to stay healthy for a full season. That's why I have never drafted him in fantasy football. 
is because I can't, I can't deal with the uncertainty involved with him. But the Bears won. I think that's going to be the last, the last win of the year for them. I mean, who are they going to beat now? Who, who on the oh schedule are they going to beat? There's nobody left. They're done. They're done. It's all downhill from here. Oh, Matt Nagy making excuses. Oh, we fought hard. Oh, this was a win that I really love my players for. Oh, yeah. my God. Guess what? Your defense still looked shaky as hell. Your offense did just enough to score enough points because the Lions still can't get out of their own way. That's yeah. what it came down to. It was not an impressive win by any stretch of the imagination. Yep. And we talked about McCaffrey, of course. There's other injuries on the NFL front. Big defensive injury for the Buffalo Bills. Tredavious White is out for the year now with an ACL. Ouch. That's going to hurt that defense. Uh, Dalvin Cook for the Vikings. Shoulder. They're trying to downplay it and making it sound like it's a week-to-week thing. That's going to stretch on. It's got to be at least three to four weeks, if not longer. So, and of course, McCaffrey. We've talked about the China doll. You were right. Well, what was it? Uh, And I wasn't far behind you. I never thought that he was anybody I would would want to pay a ton of money for. Yeah, after he signed that extension, that $64 million extension, by the end of this season – he will have played in 10 out of 33 games. Yeah. What kind of return on investment are they getting? And again, this is why we rail on guaranteed contracts, baseball, hockey, basketball, football. Why would you have to pay somebody? We're not saying you don't pay for their health insurance. We're not saying you don't pay to fix what the problem is. But on top of that... They get paid to do nothing. Yeah, there has to be X amount guaranteed, but you also have to be able to write the rest of it off and cut bait. Right. Absolutely agree. Now, of course, looking forward to this week's games, we got the Cowboys and the Saints coming up Thursday night. Last Thursday on Thanksgiving. Where did the Raiders come from? Well, my question is, what the hell was up with the the officials? That was one of the biggest debacles. It, it was pretty brutal. 28 penalties, 276 yards combined between the Cowboys and the Raiders. The Cowboys franchise record, 166 yards in penalties. I know it was. I, I thought they were going to run out of flags that but were this, clean. This is the way the whole year has gone. They don't. They throw stupid penalties when they don't need to, and then they keep the in their pocket on major things that need to be called. It makes no sense whatsoever. We've always said, as have other commentators, other podcasters. You could call holding. You can call pass interference on basically any play. Right. But let's just get a little common sense about it. It has to, how egregious is it? And does it really have an impact on the game? 
That's what you really have to look at. And a lot of times they keep it in their pocket on the holding where it has a clear impact on the outcome of a play, which gets frustrating. There's got to be something they can do about this. And the one they have got to do something about is the illegal man downfield on the lineman trying to block for what could be a run that turns out to be a pass. With all the RPOs out there, all the options, you have got to give these teams a little more leeway. The way plays break down, the quarterbacks are more mobile now, and they can buy themselves more time to make a play. That has got to be a penalty that's taken out of the equation. Absolutely agree. If you're going to change the game and you want Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson to do their thing, you've got to revisit and revise what you're doing in terms of those calls. Absolutely agree. It has to be done on the college level too, because that it, it it's the most annoying because to me, the ineligible receiver, ineligible downfield means he's there to catch a pass. He's not. I'd really like to to have Ed Hockley's kid, because obviously Hockley's out playing golf right now somewhere. But some one of these guys, Bogert, one of these guys, sit down with me and tell me why it's so awful to have a lineman running downfield, blocking three seconds after the play started. What? Why is that a penalty? Why, why can't they go do whatever they want? And most of the time, it's on the opposite side of the field where everything's taking place and has no bearing on what's going on. So we go into our picks. And we'll get back into last week's calls in a second here. But let's do our picks for this week first because I want to bring the Cowboys back in tomorrow night playing the Saints. We're taping here on the 1st of December. Yep. Taysom Hill supposedly will get the start for the Saints. Even though he has plantar fasciitis. Which supposedly is going to limit his mobility. Right. And Mike McCarthy is not going to be coaching the Cowboys because he's got a COVID issue, which I think actually helps the Cowboys. I was going to say, I think that's a bonus for the Cowboys for him not getting in their way. Dan Quinn in to run the team. Could have brought Kellen Moore in. Probably would have been the same thing. Better, an improvement. I actually would have thought Moore would have been there over Quinn because Quinn, as we know, has made some stupid <laughs> calls as a head coach in the past. But here's what I want to talk about. You and I, I think you and I agree that that Sean Payton's a great coach. Sean Payton is a really awesome coach. But this year, he, there's something wrong with this this team, this entire philosophy. They he they doesn't shouldn't know what have he's lost. Do- Jameis Winston and the whole season Tanks. falls apart. I Even though you and I like Jameis Winston and thought that would be a perfect fit for this team. This is the year that Peyton has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't know what he has in his players and he can't figure out how to use them. But then he gives Taysom Hill an extension. Which boggles my mind. I don't get that one. It seems like he's focused on Taysom Hill as the future of the New Orleans Saints. But if that was the case, 
But he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Russell Wilson. No. He's not one of these guys. Taysom Hill has never shown an ability to throw the ball down the field. No, but we didn't think Lamar Jackson could so, either. But I, I just can't understand. As great as I think he is, like a mad genius. I just don't know. I want to have faith in him, but I don't know what the hell he's up to. I don't know what he's thinking. You know? He's got Ian Book sitting out there, but he goes with Trevor Simeon. Now Taysom Hill, even though he's got a foot injury, is going to be the guy. Are we going to see if Hill can actually throw? Are they going to make him gimp around trying to get through blocks? I'll tell you what, this game scares me. Everybody but Jen, and we have all eight picks in, all eight experts, all eight panel members have their picks in this week. Jen's the only one going with the Saints, and I'll tell you what. It might not be a bad pick. I flirted with it. But, but the only they thing are is the Cowboys such... are healthy. Even though McCarthy's out, and we sit there and we go, that could be an advantage for the Cowboys, the Cowboys are healthy. The Cowboys are healthy, and they're coming off a game that they actually should have won. Right. Against the Raiders. Right. They're going to come back and try and prove something this week. Right. They get C.D. Lamb back. They get Amari Cooper back. By all accounts, Zeke Elliott is fine. Yeah. He'll take on a full workload. So, again, I don't think switching Dan Quinn for Mike McCarthy is a big loss. No, it's not. I think the players will be able to overcome that one. So, but the Saints are such a mess. So Jen's taking the Saints. Everybody else takes the Cowboys. The rest of the games, this is the problem. Last week, we picked <clears throat> all 15 games on the slate because they were close games. Yeah. And we'll go back and we'll look back at that here in a minute. But this week, it's the eh. slate sucks. It just It's not that it, much fun to pick. Now, you know, we're going to get our asses bit on a couple of these, but probably. You look at the Chargers at the Bengals. The Chargers are not playing all that great on the road. And you figure the weather's probably going to be an impact. It doesn't matter who the coach is for the Chargers. They can't get a consistent game for a full 16 or 17 game season. No. That, what There's that? no way last week they should have lost to the Broncos. No way in hell. The Broncos, how the hell are the Broncos above 500? That's the back team. That's a train a wreck. Is, is Vic Fangio a great coach now? They got rid of Von Miller. Maybe he was holding they don't back have a on quarterbacks. Defense. They don't have a running back. Their wide receivers are okay. Defense is okay. Yet they're, they're suddenly in the on a chase run. for the wild card. It's, it's a full I, weird topsy turvy season. The chain the Chargers should be miles better than the Broncos. Miles better. Yet they're the same. Yeah, they're all stuck together. The Raiders aren't that far out of it. I think the win, we'll get to that. The the win over the Cowboys might have re-energized them. That and was, we'll get to that. Yeah. So the Bengals, for everybody but Jen, she takes the Chargers. The Bengals do, beat do down. Do you notice on, a trend? 
beginning to develop here. I'm Maybe. Not, I'm not saying anything. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> no, but it this, might not this be is, so this, bad. This is something that we've seen over the years. Yes, yes, it is. But uh, the Bengals just look so good beating up on the Steelers. They've got a good running back. Mixon's healthy. They yeah. got three healthy wide receivers. Burrow's Burrow looking looks like great. he's getting it figured out. I don't who care. To it to right win. now, the Steelers, their defense, they can have uh, Minka Fitzpatrick back and, and Watt back. I don't care. It's and, not going to make a difference Tomlin right now. And Mike Tomlin can do all his speeches, you know, about, you know, we're going to take a number two and we're going to sit there and smell it. And that's <laughs> what we did last week. And, it doesn't uh, matter. At some point, it ends. You know, they at have some got point, to retool. Mike Tomlin's his vibe, his charisma, it's not going to work anymore. No, it, it almost might be time for a change for him to go somewhere else and somebody else to come in. And, of course, people are going to blame Roethlisberger. I understand that, but then why didn't you draft a quarterback this year? Why did you bring him back for the last two years? You right. knew this was coming with Roethlisberger. Right. You've had three years to draft a quarterback where you should have drafted a quarterback as the heir apparent, and you failed to do so. Right. So this all falls on Pittsburgh management. I agree. All right, Giants and Dolphins. The Dolphins look phenomenal right they now. They are st- starting to play like they were expected to from the outset of the season. The defense has finally come around. The offense is starting to click. Tua seems to be healthy. They're finding a groove. The running game's starting to kind of take off a little bit. The passing game is developing. So Brian Flores has got to get off to a good start because I'll tell you this. Next year is his year. If he does not get off to a good start next year in 2022, then he's on the hot seat. He would have to be. Because you can't keep dropping five three, games. four, five games in the first couple months and then fight all your, oh, well, we're good at the end of the season. Yeah, Look you got to be good coming season. in. You can't, you can't win your division in the beginning, but you sure as hell can lose it. And, yeah, and now with the fact that the Patriots are much better, the Bills are who we thought they were, you're going to have to sneak in possibly in that last wild card spot, but you're going to have to almost win There's, out. Yeah, you Now do. because you started so far, so deep in the hole. And I am bitter because sometimes it takes an injury. Malcolm Brown getting injured, they finally realized maybe we should make Miles Gaskin the featured running back. Gee, which really? was supposed to be what it was the whole freaking season from the beginning. But no, they had to do like everybody else and do running back by committee. Let's ask the Colts. What do you do? Oh, you signed Naheem Hines to a big extension. What do you do? You feed the ball to Jonathan Taylor. Because he's your number one. What does Pittsburgh do? 
you feed the ball to Najee Harris because he's your number one. Exactly. Jesus Christ, stop with this committee bullshit. And from a freaking fantasy standpoint. Well, of course, yeah. But watching the Washington game the other night, Gibson having a fantastic night running. What do they do when they get in the red zone? They put McKissick in who gets the two touchdowns on the ground. Yeah, Gibson runs for 100, but McKissick gets two touchdowns. And hurt and knocked out. Welcome to the freaking awesome, fantastic world of trying to figure out what these coaches want to do and then trying to play fantasy football with it. Ah! It's a nightmare, kids. Washington at Las Vegas coming up this week. This is probably the best game of the week. This is going to be a hell a of a game. Slate because Washington coming off an ugly, I mean, the Sunday night game with the Browns and the Ravens, the Monday night game with Seattle and Washington, those were two ugly, ugly, awful fucking games. They were pretty damn pathetic. And Washington, if they wouldn't have lost their kicker, it wouldn't have come down to a final Russell Wilson drive. Right. And even it then, up. it shouldn't have come down to that. Russell Wilson is not right. No. There's something wrong with him. And it, that line finger, isn't there. And Well, they have no running game. Again, they lost Chris Carson. All of a sudden, they're done. Alex yeah. Collins sucks ass. And I'm sorry, but you have one of the top receivers in DJ Metcalf. Oh and my, you do oh not God. throw to he him is... until the final minute of the game. Seriously? Right. That DK, was his first target. DK Metcalf is becoming one of the most disappointing fantasy players because of this whole situation. Yeah, nobody will throw him the damn ball. Right. It's ridiculous. And how many times was he open? Yeah, he was a top 10 draft pick. And now he's worthless. He's absolutely worthless. Lockett's okay. But now we've gone three weeks since Russell Wilson has come back, and that offense is just sputtering, sputtering, sputtering. It's looking they worse. They can't get going. It's gotten worse since he's come back. Yep. So we're taking the Raiders. Of course, going back, we're talking about yep. Seattle, but going back to that Washington game. The Washington game, Raiders game. You and I are taking the Raiders along with Bill. And Nick and Aaron. Aaron. So, so there we go. We've got Doug. We have got Sam. And we have got Jen taking the, the Washington football team. Again, because we were talking about that whole game Monday night where Washington was not that impressive. And I no. think the Raiders were more impressive in Thanksgiving. They were. That was the first game you actually you actually saw them show up. So now Washington weeks. has to move across the country on a short week. Right. The Raiders have, have a long week time. to rest. So eventually we get to where we want to be. Yeah. In a roundabout way. Ravens at Steelers. Again, I talk about Mike Tomlin ranting and raving about, oh, we got our asses kicked by the Bengals. We'll do something about it. And yeah. guess what? I don't it's think not going to get Ravens, any better. I don't think the Ravens are a bad team. I think the Ravens are winning the way they have to win. Right. They had the devastating injuries at the beginning of the season with the running backs. 
They lost their top two running backs on their depth chart. Then they lost the guy they signed to try and fill in. So it's been a long road for them. But they're a better team than I, I Pittsburgh. I still think, yeah, Pittsburgh, with Roethlisberger, he looks like he should be in a walker back there. Yeah, he's he's done. Yeah. So. Najee Harris doing all he can as a rookie, but I just think it's even not enough. It's on the road, but I still think for all the hype, for all the hoopla about the Steelers, or, oh, this is our season. This is our fight for our lives. Yeah, no, you're not going anywhere. I still think the Ravens are a better team. Ravens for everybody but Jen. Yep. 49ers at Seahawks. We've talked about the Seahawks' struggles. I am not buying into them anymore. I think they're done. I think Pete Carroll's done. I think Russell Wilson's done. I think we're looking at a major blow-up overall for Seattle in this offseason. Yep, 49ers across the board, except for the elder statesman. Yep. Oh, by the way, did I mention that the elder statesman tried to change his picks? <laughs> <laughs> when? At the last minute? Yeah, he or after he the sent fact? his picks in on Monday. He missed a pick, so I sent him an email saying, you missed this pick. I think it was a Washington Raiders game. He sent me the pick, and everything's quiet, everything's nice, everybody else sends their picks in. And then three hours before we get ready to tape, he goes, oh, here are my football picks for the week. And he changes like seven picks. (laughs) (laughs) I said, you can't do that! Well, technically. No, no, you can't do that! I, I said, if you have a specific <clears throat> legitimate injury reason, I might consider it. But, but just you just willy can't nilly. willy-nilly say, oh, I'm changing seven picks. That's a little extreme. Yeah. All right. So he's stuck. And again, the Seahawks are going to implode. They are going to be done. They they have imploded, and it's all over, but everybody getting dispersed to the four corners of the universe. Yep. Welcome to football hell, Seattle. Yep. Broncos at Chiefs. I was shocked at this opening line. I was shocked at the fact that this opened at 10 because the Chiefs, while they're the better team, have not played to their capabilities and do not warrant a 10 point. Yeah, if we were spread. picking if we were picking this on the spread, I, I would, would take the Broncos. There's yep. no way in hell the Chiefs are beating the Broncos by 10 points. No. Big Fangio will figure out a way to limit Pat Mahomes. Limit that offense. The Chiefs will win, but it'll be 6-7 right in there. Yeah. No way is it It's not going to be 10. No. I would be shocked. Of course, we pick straight up, so everybody takes Chiefs except for Mississippi. She goes with the Broncos. The big, massive, monstrous game of the week, Monday night. Oof, this this was a tough one to pick. That Patriots defense. Do you take the team that's playing better, or do you take the team who we thought at the beginning of the season was better? I went with the home team on this one. That was the deciding factor for me taking the Bills, being at home. I would have honestly taken the Bills either way. Even if they had been playing in New England, I think I would have taken the Bills. Because the Bills, something 
has been wrong with this team, and I think they finally have got to get right right now. Right now. This is the time the Bills show up they and They need prove to turn it on to take control. We picked this team to go far into the playoffs. We, I took them to win it all. This team needs to get it figured out and get it figured out right now. They have the receivers. Now, the problem is the running back situation. They have got this all fucked up. Again. Like everybody else. Zach Moss. Devin, now Matt Breida is supposedly the lead back. Pick a running back and stick with him. Because each running back has a different style, and you have to have your offensive line have some stability Josh on Allen, who blocking right, for. And Josh Allen doesn't know what to expect from Breida, from Moss, from Singletary. He knows he's got Diggs. He knows he's got Beasley. You have got to get some stability right now. Pick a back and stick with it. This is going to be a fun game, kids. This is going to be a really fun game because of that New England defense. Yeah, that's a stout It's going to be a field goal game. It's going to be fun. I see 2017 Buffalo. Low, low Buffalo. Yep. All right, kids. If you thought we were fired up for this first segment, wait until we get to college football because, oh, oh my God, it's Armageddon week, kids. Stay tuned. We will be right back. She walked into my office just as I was reaching for the bottle in my bottom desk drawer. Legs till Tuesday, lips like pillows. I want to hire you, she said. To find Sports Frenzy 2.0. Doll, I said, that would be the easiest case ever. Sports Frenzy 2.0 is on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Apple, everywhere you listen to podcasts. She nodded to herself, sat down, and smiled. I grabbed two glasses. Life was good, and so is Sports Frenzy 2.0. Hey kids, it's the Conquistador Dave Height. Along with the maestro, Kevin Crane. And this is segment two of Sports Frenzy 2.0. College football, Armageddon, dogs and cats living together, (laughs) mass hysteria. Coaching carousel spinning uncontrollably. Yeah, we got 30 minutes on this, and that's going to be pushing it because this is going to take up a lot of time talking about championship week, the ramifications, repercussions of all of these coaching changes, what it means to these teams going in to arguably their most important games of their careers, of their lives. Notre Dame, Cincinnati, uh, it's just ridiculous. And I have I have my thoughts on this, and I think there need to be massive changes into the system. Across the board, the, a lot of these coaching changes that have taken place, Lincoln Riley bolting from Oklahoma to USC, 
Brian Kelly bolting Notre Dame for LSU. Big money grabs for both of them. You've got Michigan State overpaying for mediocrity with their head coach. There's panic and stupid money being thrown around to try and salvage some sort of stability. And it's got to stop. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the problem is, number one, you're destroying these kids. Yes, I am actually sticking up for the kids for once. Yeah. Earlier this year, of course, I was saying I don't like the NIL deals. I don't like the kids getting paid. But what we're seeing now makes me backtrack on that a little bit in that there's got to be some kind of rule in place. What would have stopped Lincoln Riley? Let's say Lincoln Riley loses two games early at Oklahoma. Let's say he loses two games within the first two months. What stops him from taking that USC job the minute they fire their head coach? There have got it's it's almost like the NFL again has it right, where they say you can't interview, you can't talk to these coaches until a certain point in time because we don't want to destroy the credibility of our (laughs) sport. Because now Notre Dame gets hosed fucked because these kids who came in under Brian Kelly's recruiting. And everybody, oh, Marcus Freeman will lead us to the promised land. Can we stop with the Marcus Freeman bullshit for one second? Just one year as a, as a defensive coordinator, and all of a sudden everybody's acting like he's the Messiah. He's the guy who's going to lead Notre Dame to the promised Let, land. Let's hold off on that one, yeah, because we saw what happened when a first-time head coaches have come in to Notre Dame, and it failed miserably. Bob Davey, Charlie Weiss. Thank you. Thank you. You are the sole voice of reason because everybody in the big media has been talking about where they they should put Marcus Freeman in right now as the head coach. And I'm like, are you people out of your mind? And those are the exact names that popped into my head when I was thinking about rebutting that. And because, you know, you're coming off. Bob Davey took over for Lou Holtz. The program was in pretty decent shape when Holtz was let go, and Davey ran it into the ground. And they have wallowed in mediocrity and misery all the way through Tyrone Willingham, through Charlie Weiss, and how long did it take Brian Kelly to get them up to where they are? And nobody's ripping it. Brian Kelly did a great job of bringing the program back to where it is. But he but again, was an established head coach who won championships in Division Two. He had Cincinnati on the rise and really built that program up. And now Fickle has taken the reins and kept that program hmm. on the rise. Hmm. Hmm. Could Maybe. Notre Dame go back to the Cincinnati well again Could with be. Fickle? And, and I think that, that would, be... would be the way to keep Freeman in South Bend instead of him bolting down to Baton Rouge. No, but I've heard people saying that that if they hire Fickle, that Freeman's going to take the Cincinnati job. That could happen too. 
They're Who saying knows? you're not going to be able to keep Freeman unless you give him the head coaching job. And I say, it's, it's go away. So what I'm not giving one year as a defensive coordinator, I'm not giving him the reins of one of the top 10 college football programs. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the pros. A one-year offensive coordinator winds up getting a head coaching job that fails miserably. Notre Dame is supposed to be better than the Bears. Notre Dame is supposed to be better than a lot of these idiots in the NFL. Yeah. Swarbrick will make the right move based on what and he I said love in everything his conference. He said. I love everything he said, where he said, we're fine. We will not hire an interim. We will not, bring it. We will not name an interim head coach. Nope. I have my list of criteria for who I want. And I'm going to stick with it. It's not as big as the last time. So and I think, I think I we're going to be all right. I think he can hold off. I think Luke Fickle will be there even through the bowl season. Yeah. Well, even the guy from uh, what Matt Campbell from Iowa State will be there. Dave Aranda, Dave Aranda from, from Baylor from will be Baylor. there. Pat Fitzgerald will be there. Clawson from Wake Forest. See, I don't want him. I, I would need. I, I would not touch him. him at all. He has not shown any propensity to be able to to run the defense. The only thing no. is, if you could keep Marcus Freeman, sign him to a long term, big money extension to be the defensive coordinator, See, and now maybe these the are also, then I would bring him in. Yeah. Now these are also guys who are up possibly for Oklahoma as well. I, I think Notre Dame, I'm sorry, you've got your own TV network. Notre Dame is a better It's a better a destination better job right now than Oklahoma right now. Because Oklahoma's looking at going to the SEC and getting their asses handed them. Yeah. Now you want four to hit or five the, times a year. Yeah. Now you want to hit the outside the box rumor mill. Go. Go for it. Matt Rule. I think coming back I, to the college ranks might not be a bad move. I think he bit off more than he could chew. Now He's I'll give you credit for that because that's the first I've heard of that. But that's a great pick because I have not seen him be. He has not looked like he can figure out what he's doing in the pros. Yeah, my mom actually heard this one on a channel she was listening to. John Harbaugh might have some interest with his daughter supposedly going to Notre Dame. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if he, he does have the ring. He doesn't have anything left to prove in the NFL. And maybe he's tired of dealing with Lamar Jackson in terms of, and I'm not saying anything bad about Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson is a special talent and you've got to build your entire team around him. Yeah. And maybe that, He's looking at that for 10 years and going, I don't maybe, think I, I don't know maybe. if I want to deal with this. I really don't know if I want to deal yeah. with this. So there's an outside dark horse. Right. And then, of course, who's who, who's up for every freaking college job? Urban Meyer. <laughs> no, he's already said he doesn't want to go, but he, they probably wouldn't want him anyway. No, Lane Kiffin is also rumored well, Lane to be Kiffin's a possibility. rumored for the Hurricanes, too, because <laughs> he's a... He loves Freaking, South Florida. Yeah. Who knows what the hell he's thinking on any given day. All right. Let's talk about the Hurricanes for a second because they're my team and I love them. And they have played so well the last couple months. So here's what I'm thinking. 
as a Miami Hurricanes fan, I would keep Manny Diaz, but, but, but this hurts really bad that SMU stole our offensive coordinator. Rhett Lashley has gone now from being the OC for the Canes. That hurts because they were finally starting to build what, some momentum. I'll tell you what, SMU got a great coach. SMU is going to be good. Rhett Lashley was phenomenal. Rhett Lashley has been the one reason the Hurricanes have been a shade better than mediocre over the last couple of years. And this is going to hurt Diaz. This is why I qualify saying <laughs> we should keep Manny Diaz because now Manny Diaz, defensive genius that he supposedly <laughs> is, the, the Hurricanes defense has sucked compared to the offense. Now, Rhett Lashley is gone. Now you're going to have to bring in another guy to run the offense. And if he sucks, this team will bottom out. Yeah. They'd... So if I, you'd still have to bring in a new AD. You don't have an AD yet. So again, bring in the new AD. Who's he want? <laughs> Does he mesh with Mandy Diaz? Probably not going to happen. <clears throat> so now we go back to Lane Kiffin. The rumors about Lane Kiffin. <laughs> Lane Kiffin likes South Florida. So if you bring in a new Lane AD. Lane Kiffin likes anywhere where he's not. I don't know how I would feel about it. I would probably I'd probably feel ecstatic for a year <laughs> and then go, why the hell did I? You know, it's kind of like sleeping with that girl in high school. You know you shouldn't, <laughs> but you do. And afterwards, you You're go, like, what uh, why hell? did I do that? Why? Because Lane Kiffin will just leave you. <laughs> just leave you in a second. <sighs> Again, my choice for Miami would be keep Manny Diaz for one more year. <laughs> Maybe Lane Kiffin stays at Mississippi, builds that program up a little <coughs> bit more, and then we steal him away. Maybe. Maybe not. <sighs> yeah. They've got a quarterback, though. I'm telling you, I love Miami's quarterback. How they die looks phenomenal, looks great. And I've told you this for weeks and because weeks. Because he's a drop back traditional. Yes. Every week I look at the box score 320, three TDs, no picks. 350, four TDs, no picks. That's what Miami needs. I love it. Uh, the the team as situated right now looks. But we'll see if that. I'm can telling you right now, I'm picking them in the bowl game. I'm picking them in the bowl game right now. I'm telling you, I'm picking you them. You heard in the it bowl here game. first. Yeah, because they are going to play somebody they should be able to whoop up on, and by the end of the season, the polls come out. Miami will be in the top twenty-five. There we go. All right, so. We talked about Notre Dame's possible coaches, Miami. Does Kelly have a chance in hell with LSU? No, 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 no. LSU and the SEC, they will have a stellar season once every five years when Georgia and Bama have to restock and stumble. Let me ask you this, and, and, and a lot of people are bringing this up, but. We live in the area 
where Brian Kelly has been coaching for the last decade. Do you think he's going to be a good fit for LSU? No. Culture-wise? Culture-wise, no. Because, let's face it, there are no standards down there. It's a whole different group of athletes that he's dealing with. I just don't think he fits. The Lincoln Riley to USC thing, I could That's see. That's a better but again, fit. I, I just but think, I think he made the mistake of bolting Oklahoma for USC. But, yeah, see, but the, to me that's a lateral move because even though everybody looks at Lincoln Riley as, oh, he's a cool guy, he'll fit really well on the West Coast, I don't see it as that making USC a top-five program. Not right off the bat, no. It's going to take some Brian time. Brian Kelly going to LSU doesn't make any sense to me because he's <laughs> never going to fit in that culture down there. That is down and dirty, you know, heavy drinking, heavy expectations. He like unreasonable said, he, expectations. Almost, yes, it is. It is unreasonable because of what you have. To Oklahoma, deal with. LSU, Alabama, Georgia, unreasonable expectations, and that's the thing. Notre Dame has become a place where if you win ten games a year, people will let you slide. And Brian Kelly could have sat here, and that's why, again, Swarbrick, when he said, I wasn't surprised, because we'd heard in the past, remember when Notre Dame got to the, the playoffs? Yeah, he We was heard rumors overtures. about the Eagles. Yeah. Oh, he's going to the Eagles. There he's were gonna overtures. jump to the pros and go to the Eagles. He's always been that kind of guy where he said, I want to move on. I want to move on. I want to move on. Need a new challenge. Need a new and challenge. Nobody, this nobody is... thinks that South Bend is a, a paradise. It is not a place where you want to live full-time, 24-7, 12 months out of the year. But if you love football, this is the place to coach. It's one of the top 10 destinations in, the in coaching world. America. And I can't believe they can't bring some, oh, because the academic standards are too high. I want smart players. No, I kidding. want smart players. I don't want people who are going to wind up with DUIs. I don't want people who are going to get arrested for rape, for stealing, and all that other crap that they wind up with everywhere else. And I'll give Brian Kelly credit. He did a phenomenal job of doing that. But again, he wasn't the guy to push them over the edge to the next level. That's no. the guy we need. And maybe we have to go like back with Lou Holtz. Maybe we need to grab a second-tier NFL coach and bring him in. Now, John yeah. Harbaugh is a first-tier First coach. First-tier. Who knows? We'll see. Matt Nagy? No, <laughs> hell to the effing no. Matt Nagy, oh my God. Isn't that like a fourth-tier NFL <laughs> coach? Would it be interesting? Wouldn't it be interesting to see them pull in an old NFL coach? It would be intriguing. You know. But again, you've got the recruiting to deal with. You've got and, and that's why I would never want to be a college coach. No, the recruiting factor in and of itself is a nightmare. Right. Right. And and, and I having give, to play I will one give school Urban Meyer credit another. again. 
Urban Meyer, finally, it seems like he wants to prove himself on the pro level. And he's like, I'm done. I did Ohio State. I did I did Florida. the college thing. I'm done. I have to prove myself on the pro level. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. So I give him credit for that. Shoot down the rumors. Just stick knock with Jacksonville. It off and there you go. Right. But there's somebody out there. There is somebody out there lurking. Some pro there's, coach. There's, former there's pro coach. Someone. Somebody's going to be reaching out out of the blue that's just going to say, holy crap, this is what we need. Right. Championship week. <laughs> All bets are off. I, I have to bring up the fact <clears throat> I am sorry for you. Yeah, I know. All my island picks and everything went down the crapper last week. So in our in our Brick Brooks Ugh. Memorial went, Trophy quest. Went from two up to three back. Yep. Not a good week for the Conquistador. So you need to get your shit together, buddy. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see where we're at. I might have one or two, but... It, I don't know. But 10 championship games, all bets are off now. All point spread limits are off. First up, Western Kentucky at University of Texas San Antonio. Whew. Tough game to pick on this one. Not for me. Not for me. I went chalk. I went, you chalk, went chalk all the way, the way through. I Every am taking game. San Antonio. I needed that one game to possibly get up on Doug, and he agrees with me on this one. <laughs> Here's the thing. Western Kentucky has a quarterback who could end up being a sleeper in the NFL. That's a possibility. That I was good. looking at He's that. that good. And UTSA stumbled last week. They look like they're on the downslide. You never know. I this know. might be the one they need to come back, but you and Jen taking Western Kentucky. Yep. Everybody else takes UTSA. The Oregon-Utah game. Wow. This is going to be a <laughs> slobber knocker. This is going to be a slugfest. This is a revenge game for Oregon. Number 10, Oregon. Number 14, Utah. Utah destroyed Oregon a couple weeks back, taking Oregon out of any chance of the Final Four. Oregon will come back on this one for revenge. Jen and Nick agree with you. Everybody else goes with me with Utah. Utah is a better team right now. Oregon is one of those teams, and we'll get to this later on as we go through the rest of our picks. Coaching uncertainty. There's Mario Cristobal bit. could end up going to Miami if the Canes pull yeah. the trigger and but fire Manny Diaz. it's so Diaz. hard to beat a team twice in a season, let alone within a couple weeks. I don't like the way Oregon's played this year. I just don't. This is supposed to be – what is the trademark for Oregon? High-flying, high-profile offense, and they have just struggled to score points. I like Utah. There you go. All right. Baylor, number nine in the AP poll against number five, Oklahoma State. Oh. The mullet? 
The mullet proved it to me. The mulletless mullet. <laughs> yeah. He is not Gundy, the mullet, but he is the mullet. Gundy He'll got always be the mullet to Oklahoma. Me. Like I said last week, I wanted them to win. I didn't know if he could do it. They did it. I'm taking Mr. Gundy and God the Cowboys. God damn, so am I, man. God damn. I want him in the Final Four. Just once. Just give, give him Gundy the opportunity. Peterson got it. A chance to play in a major game with Boise State. Let's give Gundy his due here. Right. And as much as Baylor has <clears throat> played well, again, they are under uncertainty. They are. You know, their coach. Their coach is rumored be, to go yeah. other places. And, again, we're picking on but, Wednesday night, the first. Who knows what's going to happen in the next couple days. Right. So we have to kind of anticipate. And I like that Oklahoma State defense. I do, too. So you and I go with Oklahoma State. As does Nick and Aaron. And Bill. And Bill. Sam and Jen <coughs> and Doug go with Baylor. And Baylor's not a bad pick. It's just this is going to be the one of the few really good slobber knockers of the weekend. Yeah. Uh, Kent State versus Northern Illinois. <sighs> Interesting matchup, but... You and me and Bill are taking Kent State. Northern Illinois' quarterback is dinged up. He is. They got beat up last week. They did. Without him. He was out last week. They lost by two touchdowns. That's why I took Kent State. Me too. We looked at the same thing there. Yep. yep. That was my. That was the hardest game of the whole week to pick for me. That was a deciding factor. There you go. San Diego State hosting Utah State. Across the board, everybody takes San Diego State. Utah State's a good team. San Diego, San Diego State. State, they're playing really damn yep. good ball right now. Yep. This one, this one was tricky. This this one was very tricky to try and pick. Appalachian State at Louisiana. The Oof, I like the Raging Cajuns, but Appalachian State's offense is so much better. Louisiana is ranked number 20 in the AP poll right now, but as Dave mentioned, App State is on a roll right now. They have been blowing out their last five opponents by, have. by double digits every game. And uh, Louisiana's coach, even though he will coach in this game, he's on the way out for Florida. So, so I don't like that. I'm sorry. I, I that take that plays, as a factor. That plays a factor in it. So App State for you and me and Sam, Jed. The rest going with Louisiana. So we're split 4-4 four, four four on that four. one. The big one. The one that will decide it all. I will watch this game. I will. This will be. I will this watch should this. be a damn good game. Number one Georgia and number four <coughs> Alabama. Alabama loses. They're out. They're done. And if, if Alabama wins, they could both oh make my it God. in. They. I hate that doubled you up. You know bullshit. I'm right though. You know I'm right. I know it'll wind up being that crap fest. Even though. Auburn They're probably should, not Cincinnati out. Yeah, unfortunately. Auburn should have beaten Alabama if their quarterback wouldn't have dinged up his ankle. 
their backup quarterback on a gimpy ankle struggled in that second half, which kept them from scoring any more points on Bama. I think all it takes is Georgia to beat them, and that's what's going to happen. We all agree. Across the board. board, Who would ever thought we would have seen that? We're picking Alabama getting beat across the board by anybody. Yeah. But this year, Georgia is the best team. Georgia is the head of the table. Georgia wrecks everybody and leaves. Georgia wins. Everybody takes Georgia. That'll clear things up a little bit. The Cincinnati-Houston game. That is going to be a damn good game because Houston is not a pushover. No, I know. And the problem with this is that I have with this is that I could see the upset. So could I. I can't pick the upset. But, God, if Cincinnati only wins by three, are they going to find a way to, to push them out of the top four because of it? They're looking for any excuse to keep Cincinnati out. Everybody but Doug is taking Cincinnati. Doug is on Houston Island. Yeah, and another one. This is another one where the point spread, I don't like that 10.5 point spread. No. Houston will keep it close. This will be a 3-7 to That's seven going to be a game. damn good game. Yep. Michigan, Michigan and Iowa versus Iowa. Versus Iowa. Sorry, neutral site. Sam is the lone Iowa pick. I, I think <sighs> once they got over the hump with Ohio State, I think Jim Harbaugh, is his <clears throat> conscience is clear. He can coach now the way he wants to coach. Yeah. He will win easily. Iowa is not in the same class as Michigan. Yeah. The Kirk Ferentz? Yeah, no. They stumbled into that one. The ACC championship last up. This could be another... <clears throat> Really cool game. Two unbelievable offenses. Number 17, Pittsburgh. Number 18, Wake Forest. This, this, think, was, this was kind of a tough one to pick. But looking at all the numbers, I, I like Pittsburgh's team overall better than Wake. Wake has no defense. Pitt Pittsburgh has a little has defense. A bit more little defense. defense. Little defense. Little bit more defense. <laughs> little than defense. Wake. Yeah, this is going to be a high-scoring affair. Um, again, I wouldn't have a problem hiring like Notre Dame, hiring Wake Forest head coach if you kept Marcus Freeman as the right. defensive coordinator. Then you've got something. You've got then a great got offense something. going there. With a solid defense, that could be special. But Wake Forest has no defense. None at all. Pittsburgh a little bit. little bit. And Pittsburgh's got a dynamic defense with a great quarterback. I am taking Pittsburgh probably by a field goal. Yeah. Everybody's going Pittsburgh except for the elder statesman in Mississippi. And, of course, the elder statesman tried to change all his picks. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. You can't do that. You can't. You just can't. Waffle and wait till the last minute. That's what you do. Yep. There you go, kids. All right. Coming up next segment, more ranting and raving about the stupid freaking money in baseball. The impending lockout. 
and the conquistador just basically gave me a freaking heart attack telling me who the cub signed more like an aneurysm i think oh my god or borderline stroke god if you're right about this this is gonna make me hate the cubs we'll confirm that in our next segment kids stay tuned In a world of politically correct sports coverage, two individuals stand alone as the last bastion of sanity. The maestro and the conquistador star in Sports Frenzy 2.0, the podcast. Available on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Apple, Overcast, and CastBox. Hey there, hi there, hello there. Welcome back to segment three of Sports Frenzy 2.0. I am the maestro, Kevin Crane. I'm the conquistador, Dave Height. Taping on December the 1st, 2021. This will hit tomorrow morning, the 2nd, December 2021. And of course, a couple hours from now, don't, 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 the impending doom. The bells of death are ringing. Is anybody really surprised? No, it happens every freaking time. This is the snake eating its own tail. This is a a sport that keeps losing popularity, losing viewers, losing the young audience that everybody covets, and they don't care. They just kind of want to destroy themselves. They are the absolute worst professional sports organization when it comes to labor disputes. They just don't freaking get it. Either side. What have you and I said for years? Over over all the sports frenzy, cable access, YouTube, we have said you need to put a hard cap and a hard floor on this. You need right. to make the Pirates pay more. You need to make the, the Indians pay the more. The Angels pay less. Right. The Pirates need to pay more. The Rays actually as need to As smart as they up. are, need to pay more. Can you imagine if they actually spent more money? How about the A's if they actually spent some money? Right. Or the Reds or the Royals even. Right. I mean, Colorado, Arizona. There is a reason why sports put floors in. You have got to make these teams spend the revenue sharing money. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Of course, now we've seen the Mets go nuts, and they've spent a whole crap ton of money, and now they're $30 million over the luxury tax. But, of course, you know, their hedge what fund does billionaire doesn't care. The rich get richer, and the poor teams who take all the money and run do nothing. You need to make a unilateral sweeping declaration. Number one, you tell Tampa Bay, new stadium or they move. Oakland, new stadium or Or they move. move. Pittsburgh, spend more money or we're done with you. All these teams that won't spend. Show some balls, Rob Manfred. You got to. We don't want to say the players shouldn't make money. But at the same time, they we don't. Make the Yankees money. 
and the Mets and the Dodgers shouldn't be spending $230 million while the Pirates and the Indians are spending 50. 50. It's ridiculous. Unilateral. You need to be Caesar. You need to be the dictator. And if you can't do it, you go to the owners, you go to the players you need, and you say, we're done. And supposedly, that's what's coming. But you won't have the balls to make the moves that Dave and I think you should make. 200 as the cap, 125 as the floor. Sounds good to me. Sounds great to me. And if you go over, you pay into it. There you go. And, I'm sorry, players, you guys are making way too goddamn much money for sloughing off. You have to wind up going NFL-type contracts. Three years. 130 for Max Scherzer. That's unbelievable to me. Unbelievable. As old as he is. Late 30s making that kind of money coming off of a horrible last month of the season. Right. But where he was now all of a sudden I hear people say, well, the Dodgers overused him. The Dodgers no, put him as a father time he, is keep catching up with him. When do we stop rewarding stupidity? That's my question. When do we stop rewarding stupid GMs and stupid owners for giving stupid money to players that are over the hill or don't deserve it? Yes, I understand the system might be broken because players have to work all the way through all these arbitration years. Anthony Rizzo is a perfect example. I love Anthony Rizzo. I love, he's one of my top five favorite players of all time, and he has been the one to suffer through this system. And I wish the Cubs would bring him back. Give him a four-year deal for $80 million. I think that's fair. I think that would be be great. Bring him back. Let him close out his career with the Cubs. Well, it's all guaranteed in baseball. I thought we were trying to fix the system here, too. No, no, I'm, I'm working under the current system. Okay. I understand what you're doing. I understand what you're doing, and I agree with it. But we got to work under the current system. <sighs> yes, and this whole thing is a big F you to the agents out there. You know who you are. And I still think, and you and I agree on this, we've talked about this for years, they'll never put it in place. It should be performance-based. It should be performance-based. Innings pitched, the problem, innings played. The problem is they won't go to it again. Because they say the managers the managers would have too much control. 1919. Wow. Charles oh. Comiskey with the Black Sox. Because he was manipulating who played and did what. Posing some of the players on their incentives. Yep. Yep. Because he was a tightwad at the time. That is where they're going to point to, to not go back to performance-based. But again, then we go back to what you were talking about earlier. Let's go to the NFL model. You get a certain amount guaranteed, and the rest, it depends on if the team keeps you. 
If the team keeps you through the entirety of the contract, you get the whole contract. Exactly. Guaranteed. <clears throat> the NBA, and I don't give a rat's ass what ESPN or TNT are telling you. The NBA is failing miserably because of these guaranteed contracts. When everybody gets a max deal because of the stupid TV money involved, your league has a problem. And the viewership is dropping. The viewership is plummeting. Don't let anybody lie to you about that. No. It, it is dropping People badly. are tuning out of sports by the hundreds of thousands. And you know what? Sports viewership is going to continue to decline as more and more things are put on cable and streaming services. All right. Let's look at the stupid money for baseball. Other than the Scherzer deal? Yeah, we talked about Scherzer. Uh... Corey Kluber, see, this is what the Rays are so smart with. They they snatch a Corey, a Corey Kluber for like $8 million for one year. Just, okay, we'll try it. We'll see what Give happens. Give it a shot. Even after that crazy Wander Franco deal, but they've locked him up, and they still, I still think they would be smart to lock up a Rosarena, keep those two guys Keep Franco, those two as your cornerstones to build uh, around. For 10 years, that team would be fantastic. And then you would be able to at least bring free agents in. Looking for a at those year or two, two here and there. Right, right. You would keep your window open a lot longer on that regard. But now, of course, the <clears throat> Rangers. The Rangers got stupid again. <laughs> if we didn't think, did they learn nothing for overpaying for Alex Rodriguez back in the day? Come on. You couldn't wait to get rid of that contract. And you found one stupid trade partner in the Yankees who were willing to do it. And now you decide, let's blow it all up again. Let's do it again. <laughs> wait, wasn't that a Sidney Portier and uh, Bill Cosby movie back in the day? <laughs> so now, oh, you supposedly got the quote-unquote best middle infield in baseball. But how much is it costing Good you? God. Well, who you got pitching? <laughs> Who's catching? Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. You broke the bank for two guys who are five hundred million dollars. And how how old are these guys? Seager's a little young. Simeon's older. Simeon's what 30, 31? Yeah, Simeon's old. And how many years did they sign him for? Simeon had got a seven-year deal. For $175 million. Corey Seager gets 10 years for $325 million. $500 million for that middle infield. And I'm I'm with you. Simeon's a little bit older than I would give. That but now, cut. he's had two really good years back-to-back -back with two different teams. He has, but still. Ugh. God, that's a lot of money to wrap up. I might have I might have done the Seager deal, not the Simeon deal. I still think Seager got too much, though. I think I the, Rang think the Rangers needed to make a splash. They needed to to get somebody. There but is not a player out there much. that's worth that too kind much. of money to play a damn game. I agree, but at the same time, these teams are going to try to make a splash. They are going to. 
So are you saying that the Yankees are actually smart right now by not signing anybody? At the moment, I think they are. Now they're going to do something stupid because they always do. Because Carlos Correa is still sitting out there and they need a shortstop. Who's going to pull the trigger on him? Because I thought he would be the one that everybody would jump on. Because I would love to see the Cubs go after him. I would love to see. I, I, I hate to say it. <laughs> we'll get to the Cubs in a minute. If the Cubs threw $280 million at him for 10 years, I'd take it. That would not I would be, be a fine. bad deal. Correa has shown. Make him the cornerstone of the next generation of the Cubs. He has shown he can win. He is a clutch player in postseason. Yep. If Javier Baez can warrant, what, $23 million with the Tigers? the Tigers? Mm. I think Cubs could shell out $28, 29000000 million for Correa. Correa would be worth it because he's a solid player. He's a smart player. Young. Young. Baez is a freaking head case. Yes. Who cannot get out of his own way. So there you go. Correa's stable. Baez, not so much. Right. And we've seen it. Right. And I would still be okay if the Cubs went out and re-signed <laughs> Schwarber and Rizzo. I don't think they would cost a lot. I think you get Rizzo. So you're looking at Schwarber to be your DH when that all comes about? Yep. Yep. Yep, he can play outfield once in a while. They just signed Jan Gomes to be their backup, backup. catcher. So I think they're thinking Contreras is going to be DH. On the off days where he's... If they bring in Schwarber, he and Schwarber can switch off on DH. Schwarber plays left. Every so often. There I don't go. have a problem. He's give, not that bad. Give Schwarber five years, $80 million. I don't bring... Nothing ever told me you should have gotten rid of Schwarber. He he is a built, a power hitter built for Wrigley Field. And what do you do? He goes out, tears it up in Washington, tears it up in Boston. There you go. No, these idiots on the north side. <clears throat> the great and glorious Theo and his protege, Jed Hoyer, put that team in dire straits. I don't know if I'd say they put them in dire straits. They had one bad signing. One catastrophic <laughs> bad signing. They Jason had, Hayward is that was costing the them deal. so much money. But and look now, at the other stupid moves they made, though, with deals. But they're not. those deals aren't biting them right now. Hayward's the <laughs> one that's killing them. Right now, yeah. I can't stand the fact that the Ricketts are just screwing, hosing, lying to the the Northsiders, lying to the Cubs fans. Uh, We're going to spend money. We're going to spend money. And if you're right with what you've heard about Marcus Stroman, Marcus Stroman does not fit in Chicago at all. The tweets are posted. He's coming to Chicago. How the hell is Kyle Hendricks and Marcus Stroman, those are two polar opposite personalities. Kyle Hendricks study, studies wait, a wait, game. Wait, Professor. do we get your matter and antimatter 
colliding. Yeah, right. That's what it is. And then you got do-rag idiot coming in from New York. Can't stay off of Twitter. Good talk. Every time somebody screws him over or does something wrong, oh, that idiot could have caught that ball in center field. I'm Marcus Stroman. God damn it, I'm the greatest pitcher of all time. I don't want Marcus Stroman! I want Kyle Schwarber back. I want Rizzo back. You need pitching. And not like, him! Like not it or him. not, he has not been as abysmal as you're making him out to be. No, I'm not saying he's a bad pitcher, but he's a bad teammate. He's a bad guy in the locker room. And I don't want that. I hate that shit. I hate bad guys in the locker room. They're the worst. And the problem is, is you do not have any strong personalities to counteract that right now. Thank you. Other big stupid signings. The Mariners decide to go out and get the newly christened Cy Young Award winner, Robbie Ray. Five years, $115 million. You do realize this was a one-year fluke, don't you? Don't you? It's Seattle. They have to do something. As much as I hate the Max Scherzer deal, I know at least what I'm getting. He's older. He's going to break down at some point. But he's still going to be better than what you're probably going to wind up with here. Robbie Ray is not going to. Five years of Robbie Ray, you really think you're going to get Another Cy Young season I'd say out of 40 him. wins total. 40 wins total. Did, did you learn nothing with King Felix Hernandez? What about R.A. Dickey? <laughs> Remember him? Remember how he won a Cy Young and he went to Toronto? And failed abysmally? There are times when you need to look at the overall body of work and not the most recent season. The Mets, of course, on top of spending all that money on Max Scherzer, decided they would go Starling Marte. They bring in Eduardo Escobar, and they bring in Marquena to back up some of their other spots. Absolutely crazy. And as we mentioned, they are way over now, the luxury tax. Now, are they going to look to trade away any pieces to try and get some relief? The problem is they're stuck with Robinson Cano. Nobody that I know would take that on. No. Pending steroid suspension that he is. (laughs) Exactly. So. Today, good, good signing for the Diamondbacks, although they, they're just not that good. No. But they steal away the saves leader of the National League, Mark Melanson. But. It's just you're moving, you're moving all these pieces around. You're moving round pegs into square holes. Sometimes it just doesn't work for a reason. So, we we will have to see what goes on. Um, White Sox did make a deal to bring Graveman in. Got him as a free agent. Yeah, we talked about that. Houston. Yep. Got, it's official now. And then the other move the Sox made is kind of small, but 
kept a key piece to the team in place. They they re-signed Leary Garcia, super utility player, to a new three-year deal. He has been a key cog for the Sox. He can play infield, outfield, wherever they need him, and he has been solid for them. And he's actually the longest-tenured player on that team right now. Didn't bring this up last week, but I have to bring it up this week just because it's so funny. Before we close out baseball, and then we'll move on to our segment with our dumbasses and our moments of silence and everything. The hodgepodge of everything else. But with the name change in Cleveland, the Guardians of the Cuyahoga, the first day. A progressive field <laughs> that they opened up the team oh store God. selling Guardians material, Guardians merchandise. The Guardians sign crashed to the sidewalk. <laughs> Narrowly missing killing 40 people. Well, that course, might be an exaggeration. Of course, but... somebody had to have you know, one of the fans there I had to say it, say, well, that's not a good sign. <laughs> there you Yeah, go. there you go, PC fans, PC fanatics, cancel culture, mavens. That's what we think you, of your crap. You reap what you sow. I heard somebody the other day had to apologize because they said the Redskins. Come on. Can we at least give ourselves a break? It's We're going to call Cleveland the Indians for at least the next two or three years. At least. This first season, it's going to be brutal. The Guardians. Jesus Christ. That's a terrible name, by the way. Terrible name. Not good. We said it before. All right, kids. Coming back, final segment. Dumbasses, moments of silence, NASCAR. And we're still waiting for Cleveland to sign Star Lord. <laughs> I want Groot. I want Groot. <laughs> He's going to be growing bats in the dugout between innings. <laughs> oh, we'll be right back, kids. Where's Gamora? In the Fortress of Solitary Justice, two brave men hold the fate of the sports world in their hands. With the utterance of a single word, FRENZY! These seemingly ordinary men become the maestro and the conquistador, destined to save the world from stupidity on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Apple, and all noble podcast hosts everywhere. Dave and Kev stand for truth, justice, and the frenzy way. Hey kids, this is the Conquistador Dave Height. Along with the maestro, Kevin Crane. Welcome to segment four of Sports Frenzy 2.0. Here as we record December 1st, 2021, hitting on the second. Our fourth segment, our hodgepodge of everything. Starting out with my NASCAR homework from last week. I had been tasked with breaking down the rules for Clash at the Coliseum. 
how are they going to do this on the quarter mile track that they put together? All right. 23 drivers will be in the clash. So they're going to start out with the practice to get them all set. They're going to do single car qualifying, and they're going to use those times to set the four heat races. So the four heat races are going to be 25 laps, and the top four finishers from each heat will automatically qualify for the clash. So how are the heats going to be set up? The top four qualifiers are going to be the pole for each of the heat races. So for heat race one, you're going to have qualifiers 1, 5, 9, 13, 17, 21, and on. Heat 2, 2, 6, 10, 14, 3, 7, 11, 15, 4, 8, 12, 16, blah, blah, blah. All right, not bad. Kind of makes some semblance of sense. You get the better ones as you go along. So, once you get those heats set up, th this is where it gets fun. Once <laughs> the qualifying is done. This is why I had Dave do all this. So, for your four <laughs> heat races... The lineup will be Heat 1 winner will have the pole. Heat 2 winner will be second row, or second. Second row will be Heat 3 winner, Heat 4 winner, and so on. They make this too complicated. They it really is. do. But then, so you know your top 16 are going to be set up that way whatever then you got 24 cars racing in two 25 or 250 lap last chance races 12 cars will be in each race and that will be based on the finish from the heat so your last chance one will be the drivers from heats one and three who finished fifth on back Last chance two will be heats two and four from fifth on back. And wherever you finished from those, you know, five and five, six and six, all the way back. The top three from each of those will advance to the clash. So that'll finish 17 to 22 in positions. Position 23 will be the highest point position from 2021 that had not qualified to that point. One guaranteed starting spot. So if Kyle Larson does not, or somehow <laughs> doesn't win any of the heats or finish in the top four of a heat, doesn't finish in the top three of a last chance, he's automatically in. It's just too much. It's it just is, ridiculous. You've, you've got it. It's it, just ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but it makes sense. It's probably about the fairest way they could pull this off. All right. I have NASCAR news before we move on. It has been confirmed 
and my news will be less boring than <laughs> less convoluted. <laughs> yes. Even though I admire and love Dave for doing the homework <laughs> because I would not want to go through it. And it makes me not want to watch the clash at the Coliseum. Nashville Fairground Speedway will undergo a full renovation in order to officially get a cup race in the near yes. future. Now, the thing I don't understand is Bristol Motor Speedway is involved in this. BMS somehow has to approve the renovation for Nashville. Bristol is owned by Speedway Motorsports. Speedway Motorsports has purchased Nashville. And so is the parent company. Okay, that's what I figured. So Nashville Fairgrounds will become a Cup Series race here in the next <laughs> two or three years as they renovate it completely and make it a full-service racetrack. And obviously, they're saying a showcase for, for concerts, for other yeah, they you know, want other it to events. be right. a crown jewel down there. Front Row Motorsports, Michael McDowell was in doubt for a long time. Right. He is returning. Good for him. To Front Row. Todd Gilliland will be the second driver for Front Row as he moves up from the truck series. Menards has now decided to come back full force in the Cup Series. They're going to sponsor both Ryan Blaney and Austin Sindrick for Penske. That is very interesting. I would be intrigued on what their color schemes will be if they're going to do kind of an opposite. Yeah, right One now would be they're, white they're and green, another generic, green and yeah. white. Or Right now they're just showing the same. But you're right. It's There's time to go, months to go, before they figure out how they're going to do it. So, But Menards, I admire Menards. I love Menards for being a full-force sponsor Good in the for Cup them. Series. Good for them. Yep. Fantastic. Now, are you going to do your other homework? or The knockout qualifying? This... <laughs> You're going to tell me this is more confusing no. than the clash at the Coliseum? This, actually, I'm kind of backing off last week when I poo-pooed the whole knockout thing, not knowing what they were going to do. Okay. So, for most of the weekends... The Cup Series is going to get two hours of practice with qualifying, and they're going to qualify in two groups. Now, there are going to be those expanded weekends when they're running with Xfinity or the trucks. It's just going to wind up being a 50-minute practice session. And one of the series, supporting series, will wind up probably with the lesser amount of practice, and the Cup guys mm -hmm. might get more. That's going to remain to be seen. Now, the fun thing is there's four different ways that they're doing the qualifying based on the type of track. On the ovals, super speedways not included, you're going to have two groups, and they're going to go out odd even finishes based on the previous race. So... You're going to have like the practice. You're going to have like 15 minutes to get warmed up. 
then group A and group B, when they go out, they're going to do single car one lap runs. And the top five from each group is going to move on to the final qualifying session, which are going to be single car one lap runs, fastest on the pole and going backwards from there. However, when you get to Martinsville, Bristol, Richmond, and Dover, they're going to have two lap runs being shorter tracks, <clears throat> whatever. Super Speedway, there's going to be one round, one first round of single car one lap runs. They're not going to break them into groups. So your top 10 are going to transfer to the final single car one lap. Top gets the pole. That's how it freaking should be across the board. One bonsai lap, winner take all. Yeah, old I'm okay school. With that. Back I'm... where it went. That's what it freaking should be. Yeah, I think the fact that we had <clears throat> to go through the clash at the Coliseum crap, which doesn't matter. Yeah. Now you get to the road courses. You're back to your Group A, Group B. They're going to have 15 minute time sessions. Top five from each group will transfer for a final 10 minute time session with the fastest lap on the pole. And then Bristol Dirt, that's just. Well, yeah, we That's figured just, that was going to be. The qualifying races are there. They're divvied up by random draw. There you go. Give me the one-lap qualifying bonsai run. I just miss the old qualifying, yeah. I just miss it. Let them They've just... made it so complicated, and now COVID came in to gave them free reign. To no practice. You know what? I don't mind the no practice bit. <coughs> that made it interesting, but they still should have qualified. Nice. I can take out I can take out all the practice and just make them make that one bonsai lap run. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. I would be. It the would save so much. The so problem much. the problem with the sports though is that Ask the NFL, ask baseball, now ask NASCAR. You're making it too complicated. You really are. Yeah. Baseball games are getting longer when everybody wants them they to should be, be shorter. Football, you're making it too complicated with the, the calls <laughs> and the holdings and the pass interference. All of that is dragging the game on. The instant replay in football should be so much simpler. It's easy when you've got your head official up in the booth watching the play who can see it in a heartbeat. You don't need five minutes to make the decision. And there have been rare occasions where that's worked, but it's not working nearly as well as it should. Right. It can so be streamlined and made more efficient. Yep. All right, moving on to the NBA. We're not going to break down the standings right now. It's too early in the season. But I will say kudos to the Phoenix Suns. 17 wins in a row. Damn. They were the best team last year. And I'm not ripping on the Bucs. The Bucs won the title. But they everybody did. thought going in that the Suns were going to win that title. And I think this year, this year, although Devin Booker's now hurt, <laughs> He's got time to get better, though. 
But the Suns made a statement win last night against the Warriors. Those are the two teams that are going to fight for the Western title and ultimately for the NBA title. Yep, agreed on that completely. Then we have the penalties that have come in. The Bulls and the Heat both lose a second-round pick coming up after an investigation found they were guilty of premature free agent talks with Lonzo Ball and Kyle Lowry. I was waiting for you to say ejaculation at some point. (laughs) I heard premature. Premature. (laughs) So they jumped the gun a little bit before they talked to the guys. They paid the price there with the draft pick loss. Your defending champs, Milwaukee, also lost a second-round pick coming up, accused of tampering with Bogda Bogdanovich, who ultimately signed with somebody else. Easy for you to say. (laughs) Yeah. So, penalties handed down this week in the NBA. Final note on the NBA, kudos to Enos Cantor. Kudos to him. We talk so much negative crap on this show, on this podcast. Good for him. He is now a U.S. citizen, and he took freedom as his last name. I'm not necessarily down with that, but I am down with what he is trying to do and what his statement by doing this stands for. Good for him. He is trying to tell LeBron James and all the (laughs) other money whores in the NBA, the owners, the players, coaches, start thinking about what your money means. Start thinking about what your contract means. Start thinking about what your endorsements mean. Who's making that money for you. And LeBron James has been eerily silent ever since Enos Cantor Freedom called him out about his connections with Nike and what Nike does in China. We'll get to LeBron later. We'll get to LeBron later. <laughs> of course. My we favorite whipping boy. Dumbass of the week. All right. Should we talk about the match? Let's talk about the match. Kepka I, I versus DeChambeau. <laughs> I just wanted to spank you. <laughs> and guess what? Kopka did spank DeChambeau. He got him. And the thing is, I don't like the scoring. Because the scoring is all jacked it, it, beyond belief. Yeah. Kepka beats won- DeChambeau four to three, but Kepka. Kepka beat him, and DeChambeau had to give up three holes early because he had no chance of winning. Right? So how is it four, four to three? You know, I don't like that. It, it's stupid the way that they score that. Why in this? I'm sorry. It's still match play. It should be the overall score like it is in a regular tournament. Right. Screw this by whole crap. Right. That's what I hate about the Ryder Cup as well, is they do that goofy-ass scoring crap as well. Right. It should have been 4-0, if you think about it, because when DeChambeau 
lost that ninth hole and they were playing a 12 hole tournament. Right. And Kepka was up four. It should be four zero. Right. Because you've conceded the last three holes. When you concede, you do not get any. But but that, that's the it's... way to look at it is, oh, it's 4-3 because we'll still give him the last three holes, even though he, he got his ass handed to him. And as Brooks said, I just wanted to spank you. I'm sorry, but if you concede the hole, the win goes to the other guy. You don't just discount it. It just, it's not right. The it scoring is not right. Brooks Kapka kicked his ass. And it should reflect that, not four and three. No, it should be four and zero. And Brooks Kapka took his driver and stuck it up. DeChambeau's bunghole. Do I have TP for my bunghole? And here, Kepka's the one who hasn't played well, and DeChambeau's excuses, I haven't played in two months. Yeah, yeah. Lame, lame, lame. We all know, we have said on this show for months and months and months, DeChambeau is who's the better? Pitch. Who's the better player? It's Kepka. And we'll see that coming out in the years to come. Yep. Now, speaking of golf, one of my favorite... <laughs> oh we have to have a a media session to talk to tiger woods about the repercussions and the ramifications of his accident and And, and, and the three second video of him hitting the one golf ball that he actually was able to drive Ah! god God, this makes me so mad. You sycophants in the media, again, kissing his ass. But, kissing his ass. But he did not answer any questions about the crash yet. Of course he didn't, because he was on drugs. He was on drugs when he wrecked his fucking SUV. But nobody can ask him about that, because that's off limits for the holy, almighty Tiger Woods. I think it's a legitimate question that he should Bullshit. address. You people keep kissing his ass. Horseshit. Horseshit. You journalists who can't wait to jump on people like Donald Trump. Anybody that you don't like when it comes to politics. But Tiger Woods, oh, we can't touch him. We can't grill him. We can't ask the tough questions. With Tiger, were you on drugs when you wrecked your SUV? Oh, we can't ask that. No, we can't. No. Sports frenzy asset. Were you high? And anybody else's toxicology reports would have been released. Oh, no bullshit. Oh, my God, I almost lost my leg. I, I could have lost my leg. Shut up! Shut up! How many goddamn people across the world have in the U.S. lost their legs or actually have? Because of drunk drivers. Because of drivers that they have been high. under the influence of drugs or alcohol. But no, you get to get away with not answering questions about your accident. And you get to play the pity card and go, oh, I almost lost my leg. I want you to go to these hospitals across the country with kids and teenagers who have 
limbs severed because of people under the influence. drivers, high drivers, texting and driving, watching fucking videos on their phone while they're driving. Go to hell, Tiger. I don't like it. I will never like it, and I'll never like you. And on that note, shall we move on to our dumbasses of the week? Yeah, moments of silence first. We should probably do the the nice thing. The nice first. thing first. Yeah. All right. I have to give my moment of silence to Lamar Hoyt, who won the Cy Young in nineteen eighty three for the White Sox. I didn't know about him. Sixty six years old, passed oh. away from cancer. I did not know that. That season in eighty three, we went as a family to several games and I got to see Lamar pitch. Yeah, I literally did not know about yeah, that. Yeah, that, that just Lamar came Hoyt. up yesterday. He wow. passed yesterday yeah, I did not... on, on November 30th. Here yep. as we go on the 1st. I remember him. Yep. So, yep. thoughts and prayers to the Hoyt family. All right, I've got three Hall of Famers in different sports. All really massive, magnanimous, stellar. Mark Roth, number one, all-time great PBA Hall of Famer. Too this, bad we don't have Mr. 300. This one's for you, 300. Mr. 300. <laughs> yep, bowling. But I know Mark Roth. Even I know Mark Roth. I might know five professional bowlers off the top of my head. He's one of them. Yeah. Mark Roth, I know. Mark Roth passed away here recently. Curly Culp. Hall of Fame player for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. And then, of course, going back to golf, you can hate me all you want for my disdain for Tiger Woods. But Lee Elder. Lee Elder was a trendsetter. Class act all the way and through. And I do want to make a, a statement about this. I do want to rant for a minute, go on a tangent here. And Dave's more than welcome to jump in. A lot of people who listen to the show might think we're politically incorrect. Most they, of the time we are. They might think we're hateful people. Not always. I, I, I When I heard about Lee Elder dying, it made me sad because, not only because he passed, but because it made me think about the things we have done wrong in the past. And that, that reflects back on what we're dealing with now. Because we were bad in the sixties and bad in the seventies doesn't mean we're bad now, but people want to focus on the negative. People want to focus on the fact that Lee Elder was the first black man to play in the Masters. And that was wrong. That was wrong. It was stupid. We never should have been the people we were back in the 50s and the 60s and the early 70s. But I believe we're better than that now. So let's stop looking at something like Lee Elder as a negative. Let's look at Lee Elder as a positive. 
And let's realize that we have come so much more forward from that point in time, We've 40, 45, 50 years ago to now. And we're not worse than we were back then. We're better. We're better. Un- and it's unfortunate that it's taken so long for things to get recognized. You know, the greatness that and Augusta, Elder was. Augusta, Augusta was, was terrible. Augusta was stupid. They wouldn't let black That's people the in. damn they deep let women south. In. That was the horrible things that continued in those southern states for so long. Right. That were perpetuated by the morons down there. Right. And the majority of Americans are not like that. No. We have never been like that. We will never be like that. The thing that makes me mad is that that doesn't exist in my mind anymore. Lee Elder, while he set that benchmark, while he set that standard, we're better now. We're better people now than we were back then. We are, and we do have some ways to go in some areas. But we are making. But we've got to stop making this all to out go... to be like we're worse. <clears throat> right. We're not worse. We're, we're not better. Worse. We're definitely better. And you can't go so far the other way. All right. That being said, <laughs> pivot. It, it, pivot. <laughs> it's time for the stupid people in the world. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he can't pivot anymore. I want to pivot, but I can't. <laughs> All right. I am actually going to start off. I couldn't do this as the NHL segment because these guys are complete dumbasses. Two NHL players who have been suspended in the last week. LA Kings, Brandon Lemieux, suspended five games for biting. What are you in frickin' preschool? That's inexcusable. Complete dumbass on that front. And then Boston Bruins, Brad Marchand. This guy's a sleazebag anyway. I never could stand him. The seventh suspension in his 13-year career. This is the third time he's been called out for, you're going to laugh at this, but slew footing is the term they use. It's tripping in a dangerous way. He was did it in 2011, 2015. He got a two-game suspension. He did it again this year and just got a three-game suspension. Personally, I would have given him five because he's a douchebag, but he's still a dumbass. This is also the guy who licks players as well during games. All right, just again to, to show that Dave and I do not curry favor. One of my dumbasses this week is Dan Hampton. Oh, Chicago Danimal. Bears. Yeah, Chicago Bears legend gets nailed for a DUI. Dan, oh, Dan, Dan, Dan. What are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? I do not want to call you out as a dumbass, but I have. But to. you are. In this day and age of Uber and everything else, there's no excuse. So, of course, to wrap up, my favorite dumbass each and every week, 
Oh, he gave me so much this week. LeBron James. LeBron James whined and cried and got two Pacers fans ejected on Thanksgiving Eve because he didn't like the way they were talking to him. And, of course, social media decided to call him, which I love, Lesnitch. Lesnitch, yes. Lesnitch. Oh, they probably were making fun of him for getting suspended for throwing the elbow. Then he got a $15,000 fine for throwing the middle finger and a warning for profanity. And then, on top of all of it, guess what? The so-called greatest player of all time cannot play now for the next 10 days because he violated the NBA's safety protocols. Because, guess what? I guarantee he's not vaccinated. What is this guy doing all of a sudden? This year, in the first couple weeks of the season, is destroying his whole persona and reputation that he had. It's because he sucks ass. I'm the maestro. I'm the conquistador. We'll check you out next week. Don't forget to check out the weekend edition. We love you, kids. See you next week.